the New Moon Opera podcast. I'm Mallory Harding and I'm the Artistic and Executive Director of New Moon Opera. New Moon Opera is dedicated to presenting fun and accessible performances of opera to the Chicagoland community. The NMO podcast is a part of our mission to help people learn about opera and get more out of each live performance. Opera really is for everyone to enjoy. I'm here today on Skype with Jessie Oliver to talk about her role in our upcoming production. Hey, Jesse. Podcast world. <laughs> uh, so, Jesse, let's get right into it. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do and how long you've been singing for? Oh, boy. What do I do? I do a lot of things. Um, I am a company member of uh, Barrel of Monkey. So, which is a devised theater company, uh, educational theater company that goes into third, fourth, and fifth grade classrooms in Chicago and uh, does six-week creative writing workshops and then adapts the writing of the kids into plays. Uh, And then I teach voice pretty much. uh, That is is not pretty much. It is my full-time job is teaching voice. Uh, I'm at Loyola Academy three days a week, and then uh, the rest of the week I teach out of my house. Uh, And I have been singing since a weird, happy accident as uh, a 17-year-old. I went to the Performing Arts High School, and I walked in, and I was there to audition for theater, and the woman who was the head of the music program saw me from down the hallway and was like, I want to hear you sing. And all of a sudden, I was a singer. So what what do you think about, what did she see in you, like, just from down the hallway that made her know that you were going to be a singer? My cheekbones. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I have, like, really high, wide cheekbones, and she said, I, like, saw you and saw your cheekbones and was like, I bet that girl can sing. Oh, my gosh. That's so interesting. I remember you you told me that before, and I, I should have known you were going to tell that story. It's a really <laughs> great story. <laughs> Um, so can you tell us about your role in Johnny Skiki? Yeah. Because uh, it's kind I, of unusual. Yeah, I'm playing Gerardo, who is a tenor, and I'm playing it and singing it up the octave, uh, which has been interesting. It's interesting. Um, there's a lot that transfers over, and then there's a lot that, like, uh, the way like dramatic soprano repertoire is written is people always think dramatic sopranos are like honkers. We're really not right. Like there's like a rep has a lot of nuance to it. Yeah. Tenor roles like this have <laughs> no nuance. So you just are like, Oh, I just got to get myself up to that high A flat and just sort of, you know, sing it at your face. <laughs> <laughs> There and like the the speed of this role like is a really new challenge because like nothing in my repertoire is all that fast. Yes. Right. Like or like I mean like Agatha like the back half of Liza Liza moves but it's all like melismas. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm just gonna say a, a lot of words really quickly up to high notes. I was like oh I've never 
I've never done this before. <laughs> yeah, I I yeah. feel a little bit the same way with my role in Sita too. It's like a little high sometimes for how many words I have to say. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And my role isn't even as high as yours, so I can't imagine. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did finally say, okay, there are five measures I'm taking down an octave. Just five. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Imulini La Casa, the, all the Gs, I was like, I just can't sustainably do that with this. <laughs> This monstrous instrument, so <laughs> you have to take that down. The active, I like. Yeah. If it's only five measures, I feel like that's a win. So <laughs> seems smart. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us what you're doing? It's a little bit different. So the role is Gerardo. It's a, a guy, Bozo's nephew. Um, but, but you're playing Gerardo. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, we're gonna make her hyper femme. And, like, you know, I get to be the, like, super slanky hyper femme of the show, which is real fun. Uh, (laughs) I feel like, um, and this is a whole tangential conversation about, like, fat bodies on stages often are hidden. They're not, like, celebrated. Mm -hmm. So, like, to, like, actively not hide it and, and sort of celebrate it and, like, live into it is really fun. That's really cool. I'm excited to see your costume. Well, and help put it together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we kind of talked about some of the challenges of um, the vocal part of singing Gerarda. But what about um, like, you know, we haven't really started staging it. Our audience should probably know for um, Jenny's Kiki yet. But do you anticipate like any challenges like this character is obviously going to be different than your standard Gerardo and the interaction with Nella, the wife could be like different. And then the kid too. And now we have, instead of Gerardino, we have Gerardina. So it's a family of three girls. Like, is there any like challenges to that? Do you think? I mean, no, I think it's like, I, I have been noting that I think it's really, um, I don't think, Gerardo or Gerarda and Nella are a happy couple. Mm. I also think it's like really interesting that Gerardo sings with Cheska almost as much, if not more, as he does with Nella. Oh. Like they tend to double each other. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, am I having affairs? Am I having Because <laughs> that could be entirely possible. Absolutely. That's interesting. Um, do you, what do you think you're going to do about those strange uh, sort of child abuse moments with Gerardina or Gerardino? Uh, yeah, I, I've already sort of said, like, I would really like it. We have this thing where, you know, Gerardina is going to have chocolates, like have some kind of candy. And <laughs> instead of, like, uh, like the, the la, la, instead of, like, sort of hitting her, I'm just going to steal the candy, I think. Oh, nice. So it's just kind of silly instead of mean. Yeah. Well, also, like, um, I don't know. I, I think it, it raises this, like, interesting question in opera. Like, what stories do we need to just stop telling and what stories do we need to learn how to retell? Yeah. Right? Like, uh, if we're going to say this is a story that we need to learn how to retell, we take that abuse out because it's not really servicing anything. It doesn't do anything for the story. And we turn, I, I I kind of like turning it into a comedy bit, right? Because I also proposed to the director that I would like, yeah, have you 
talked about what the aesthetic of the show is on this podcast? Uh, no, not that much, but I think it'd be fine to talk about a little bit. Okay. Uh, this idea of the picking, right? Like the crows picking. Yeah. I've lots of like little food things on stage and to be like almost constantly be picking at things to eat them. <laughs> like I'm dealing with the family. I'm dealing with the stress. I'm dealing with all of this. Uh, and just sort of like that could be tied into that la, la, la moment where she pulls the, the candy out of Gerardina's hands and starts to eat it. Yeah. You know, like uh, I did a show. I don't know. I, I, Eating on stage as a fat person is, like, sort of an act of rebellion. Like, I, I did a show in December where I sang this series of songs about cats as I, like, de-gutted a stuffed cat that I had filled with marshmallow fluff and, like, just, like, covered my face in it because I do a lot of, like, weird performance art stuff. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, do I secretly love doing this? Yes, I do. Do I secretly (laughs) love, like, making people confront their weirdness about fat bodies eating publicly? Like, yes, I do. That's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, So have you ever been in a production of Johnny Skiki before? No, no. Okay. You know, I was a dramatic mezzo in college and then a dramatic soprano, and there's not really just, like, a ton of, like, especially the mezzo stuff, there's not a ton of Puccini rep for you, right? Right, right. And then the type of soprano I am, there's not a ton of Puccini stuff for me. Oh, that's true, because your voice is almost a little bit bigger than most of the Puccini roles, right? Yeah. And in fact, like, I've tried to sing some of Tosca, and it was just decided, like, your voice is too big for it. Like, Turndot would probably be, Turndot and uh, Girl of the Golden West are probably the two that I would end up doing. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So, have you been in any of the other Tritico operas? Yeah, in college, I did Principesa twice in That's so cool. uh, Sora Angelica. That's but really I'm cool. still living in the basement. <laughs> I love being in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk more about that word. If, you're, if the word tritico doesn't sound familiar to you, audience, we're going to talk more about that a little bit later. Um, Jesse, what's your favorite role that you've ever played on stage? Doesn't have to be an opera. Um, I don't know. Probably, probably either Magda in the Consul, because mm. she's my girl, or, um, you know, I did, before I made the switch to Soprano, I did Mary Marie in uh, Dialogues of the Carmelites. Uh-huh. But we did it where the real, like, if you read the real story of the Carmelite nuns, the woman, uh, the, uh, the woman who Mary Marie is based off of disappeared for 40 years after the nuns were beheaded. And it's oh. really highly suspected that she had a hand in turning them in to force martyrdom. So the end of the show, I basically came out with blood dripping on my hands and I loved it. Wow. <laughs> just, like, just like a really like interesting moment. So that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so what do you think, why, sorry, why do you think people should come see our production of Il Campanello and Johnny's Kiki in April? Well, first of all, like, when do you actually get to see Il Campanello, right? Like, <laughs> True. Just that alone should make you come out. I also think, like, you know, it, I, I had a visceral reaction, like, our first sing-through where I was like, dang, we have, like, assembled some good voices yeah. in this room. And I think it's just, like, a solid group of people doing a solid set of shows. Me too. I'm really excited about it. Um. Okay, so thanks a lot for uh, answering my questions, Jesse. Um, oh, cool. we're, <laughs> so we're going to move on a little bit now to um, talk about our main topic today, which is the story in the background of Johnny Skiki, one of the operas that we'll be doing um, April 5th through 7th. Um, so let's get into it. You guys, uh, some of our audience members might have read Mary Lutz Govardson's article, a uh, really, really well-written and funny article about the story. So now Jesse and I are just going to try to go through the opera and the characters for the rest of our audience who need a little bit more information to let it, the story sink in. <laughs> uh, so Jesse, can you talk about the Il Tritico? Yeah, uh, Tritico is three one-act operas that are performed sometimes together, sometimes apart. The first is Il Tabaro, the second is Suor Angelica, and the third is Kiki. Two are tragedies. <laughs> One is sort of a... Um, I mean, uh, Skiki is definitely a comedy, but uh, the two tragedies sort of are very different to borrow. Uh, I don't really know as much about Tabarro as the other as Angelica, but uh, I just remember the first time I read a synopsis, like the thing that stayed in my brain was that Georgetta uh, ends up in a carpet being thrown off of a boat. And I was like, yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Uh, Swear Angelica, you know, is an opera like a lot of uh, schools end up doing because ladies, ladies, ladies. Because, um, <laughs> you know, nuns. I mean, when when in doubt and you need to do a show with a lot of ladies, just go to the religious shows. Yep. <laughs> Sisters, uh, Swear Angelica, uh, Dialogues of the Carmelites, right? Yep. We got ladies, ladies being oppressed by religion. What? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> or family members in the in the case of Sor Angelica, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so those are the other two and then you get to Skiki, which is uh, uh, a comedy. <laughs> a comedy. Right. So it's sort of like originally Puccini was thinking, I guess like people would come and all three operas would be performed at the same time, which they're not all that often, they're not really performed all three. Recently, the oh right, together recently, yeah. right. Um, so the idea would be that you'd go see the two tragedies, and then at the end of the night, you'd have a comedy, and you'd feel better, I guess. But you know, death is the the overarching theme of all three. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, one interesting thing that Mary pointed out in her um, article that I think a lot of people would be interested in is um, the fact that 
Johnny Skiki, um, it was actually, he's actually mentioned in the Dante's Inferno. Um, so Mary says Dante mentions seeing Johnny Skiki himself in the eighth circle of hell condemned for falsifying a will. And um, Johnny Skiki and Bozo Donati were actually real people um, in late 13th century uh, Florence. So it's pretty interesting because we don't have a ton of comic operas about real people, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's interesting. And also, like, um, Puccini is one of the Verismo composers. And so Verismo, like, basically means realism. And a lot of that is uh, a move away from just portraying, like, um, kings and queens and, like, noble people and trying to portray more, like, real life. So uh, a lot, like, Il Tabaro, those aren't real people, but it's sort of a sort of realish story. Skiki's kind of realish. I would actually say Tabaro is probably the most Verismo of the three. Yeah. Like, normal, nor, can, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. Oh, 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 did you like my parenthetical internet? Uh, <laughs> am I allowed to swear? Uh, it's like normal ass people live in normal ass lives that, you know, the husband just murders the wife. Whoops. Right? right. Like, it really is an episode of Law and Order. Dun dun. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. And so, and like, that might. For for opera singers, that will strike you as, wow, that's a lot more real than most opera stories seem. Um, and Johnny Skiki is kind of one step further. It is a little bit of a silly story, but it actually includes two actual people that were real. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, okay, so let's go to the situation set up and our characters of the story. We've got Bozo Donati. He's an old guy. He's the one of the real, actual people. And he was really rich, and he died. He did. You start, <laughs> he did. <laughs> he's never alive in the show, right? Like, the show opens, and he's already dead. Yeah, and he's usually on stage, like, dead in a bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got the whole, his whole family is there because they basically know he's going to die. So we've got uh, Sita and Simone are the cousins of um, Donati, so they're pretty old. And then we've got Renucho, Sita's nephew, and uh, Gerarda and Nella. They're married, and then they have a daughter in our show, Gerardino. And then we've got Beto, who is Bozo's brother-in-law, and he's kind of usually portrayed as, like, the town drunk, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I mean, that's what it says in, like, all the, um, you know, write-ups about Johnny Skiki, but I'm not sure if our Beto is going to be playing it that way or not. Um, And then we've got Simone, uh, his son, Marco, and um, Marco's wife, Francesca. And then there's the two, um, what uh, my character, Tzita, actually refers to in the opera is la gente nova, um, which sort of means like the new people, sort of like people now might say new money in a derogatory kind of a way. Um, And that's the lead character, Johnny Skiki, and then his daughter, Lauretta. And um, Jesse, can you tell us about who uh, Lauretta's in love with? Uh, I mean, she's in love with Renuccio, who I, 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 like, we know Renuccio is the nephew, but do we know who he belongs to? 
No, that's what's kind of weird. Yeah, like, I'm always like, wait, but how are you here? And why are you the only one sad? Like, how, where are your parents right now? Because, right. yeah, like, yeah. Um, but Marissa <laughs> is in love with Renuccio, and, you know, they just want to get married on May Day. That's all they want. <laughs> and they say that a whole bunch. Yeah, how many operas have May Day in them? I mean, I could think of at least one more. Really? Huh. Right? Yeah. Wait, which one? Albert Herring? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think Mayday used to be... Maybe used to be... Yeah, and it's not as big of a deal anymore. I don't even know what it actually is. (laughs) Like, why it's important. I don't know. I guess we could consult Google after this interview. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) So um so anyway the whole family is at Bozo's house. He's just died. Um he's kind of the patriarch of the whole family. And um as you see as the opera starts going on, you kind of realize they're sort of faking their grief. And they seem to think as it goes on. I mean, it's pretty much <laughs> the beginning that you can tell they're faking their grief. That's true. <laughs> I'm being generous. Yep. They're not good people. No. no. <laughs> With the, I mean, I'll argue, I don't know, I guess you could, I argue that maybe Skiki isn't the best person, and Loretta is definitely manipulating her father. The only person I believe to be pure of heart in this show is Renuccio. I think so, too. (laughs) Everyone has an angle, everyone has an endgame. Right, so what do they want, most of all? Money? Yeah money they want bozo's money like um i think his i believe his bozo donati's house was also like a famous part of florence um like a historic building or something so um they want his money they want his house they want his mule and they want his mills at senia um and they don't know that's right we sing about it like a million times and they don't know who he's left his money to, but pretty soon the gossip goes around among the family that he's actually left the money to a monastery. So we scramble around and we look for the will and we find it. And then we realize our worst fears I mean, are confirmed. What they're saying. <laughs> I, you, I love that Beto is like this old gossipy man. I mean, that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. <laughs> That, you know, like, he he says that's what they're saying, like, four times. Yeah, that's yeah. Funny. It kind of, when it's set in a modern time, like, we're setting it, and it's someone like our, our Beto, it does seem a little bit different. It comes out, yeah, very like a very gossipy kind of a guy. <laughs> I like that. That's very funny. Even the Coda's not a gossip. I'm just, I'm just no, saying. no, but like it's easy to play it that way. Yeah, you know what, yeah. what they're saying. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, Renucho, he, him, and Loretta have these like outbursts where the most beautiful romantic music just like interrupts this like kind of chicken squabbling or crows squabbling at each other music. I mean, there's and there's literally so, four pages that are about different birds. Right, that's true. Like, not only is it like literally like they are pecking at each other in the score, like they're talking about birds. 
<laughs> Absolutely, because we're mad that the monks are going to get to eat all these yummy game birds. Um, <laughs> so, um, oh, sorry. So I, w- I was going to say, Renucho's really upset. He interrupts everybody from this, like, pecking music to say, like, hey, 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 I found the will. I guess this actually happens before they realize that they didn't get any money. But Renucho says, hey, I found the will. Since I found it, let me marry Loretta. Later, when we realize we don't get any of the money, we all say, hmm, is there a way around this? And then Renucho suggests somebody who can help. Well, I mean, he's already called that somebody, right? Oh, that's true. Do, 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 do. Who are you going to call? Johnny Skiki. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, he, you know, when he goes to find the will, he's like, we're going to be fine. I'm going to be able to marry Loretta. I'm going to, like, just call Skiki now so that we, like, because it's already going to, it's everything's going to be fine. And then it's like, like uh-oh. Everything isn't fine. Who could fix it? Oh, luckily he's already here. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So he sends your kid to go fetch him. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, he arrives. Sita is really mad. I've read a lot that some people think that Sita actually had um an affair with Johnny Skiki a long time ago, so that's why she hates him so much, which is an interesting take on it. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so why can't they get married, and why does why do um what do they call why do plumbers on America's Got Talent sing this aria, Jesse? Oh, do plumbers sing Omeo Bobino? <laughs> I, that's what Eric, our music director, was saying the other day. <laughs> oh, Eric. <laughs> um, I mean, I think this aria, well, okay. First of all, inherently, Puccini's really manipulative as a composer. Like, uh, consciously. Like, he would use things that we now know are so, like audibly really pleasing it's the same construct as the Beatles right like a lot of descending uh descending melody in thirds is Mm. like the most audibly pleasing thing like the ear can hear quote-unquote yeah uh Puccini uses that all over and if you listen to this aria it is all of that it is like (laughs) just every Puccini trick thrown at you but, like, you know, most of the people who love this aria don't have any idea what it's saying. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. They just identify with the music. And I think that's sort of the power of music in general, that, like, you don't always need to know what it's saying to feel uh, an affinity or a connection to it. Yeah, for sure. That's why, like, classical music, like, there's so many different levels you can enjoy it that and even if it's just that surface level of this is beautiful that's fine yeah yeah <laughs> so she sings snobby about it we could just say oh that's that's pretty <laughs> exactly so yeah um the character Loretta and Renucho cannot get married because Skiki kind of well I think the Donati family thinks that Jenny Skiki is new money. They don't like him. He's not classy. And so they don't want to join their family with his. And then, you know, he's kind of like, like you're, you're related to people that are terrible trash humans. Yeah. 
Honestly, the Donati family is like a family of raccoons. <laughs> they are, yeah. They're like all trash dwellers. <laughs> so Skiki's like, I really don't want to have to go to Christmas with all of these jerks. Exactly. So, yeah, then um, Lauretta sings the famous aria, O mio babino caro, which basically, Mary says, boils down to, oh, daddy, you know I love Renucho, but if I can't marry him, I will throw myself into this river, so help me, you know I will. I love you, daddy. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's cute. Oh, I like to call it, she's, like, basically being Serafina Saperstein. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'm b- 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 boss man. <laughs> That's hilarious. I think mm-hmm. Rachel could pull off that kind of a look. Mm-hmm. We just need <laughs> her for fur vest. Yes. Fur vest and like feathers for her hair. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the next thing we got to talk about is the first scam and then the second scam. <laughs> so what's the what's the first scam, Jesse? I mean, I, I'm assuming the first scam is the Skiki is scamming the lawyer, right? Like he's right. being Quozo. Right, right. So tell us about that. Well, Skiki goes, okay, okay, I'm never going to help you. I'm never going to help you. And then, you know, he gets Omeo Babino'd and then he says, all right, go on the, go feed some birds. And man, I'll tell you, that girl is feeding birds for a long time. <laughs> a lot that happens while she is out feeding those birds. Um, so she goes out and he basically says give me all the like give me his nightcap give me whatever and he puts the sheet over his face and the the notary comes in and he basically says uh come back later and we'll make a new will right yeah but he's protect so he fools the notary he goes and then they you know first scam done he pretends (laughs) to blow so they believe it right and then when the notary comes, he basically, he's about to, you know, leave all his oh, money. The Sorry, the doctor comes in first. Oh, anyway. right. But then our the pro- comes, yeah. that's right. And our production is played by the same person. So, <laughs> so that's why my brain was like, same thing, right? No. <laughs> yeah. So first the doctor comes, he fools the doctor. So he says, all right. This is what we're going to do. We're going to call the notary. I'm going to pretend to be Bozo Donati, and I'm going to make a new will, and I'm going to leave all that great stuff to you, to you guys, the family, as it should be, not the monks, right? Right. What do you guys want? Yeah. And then they kind of all, as they're helping okay, him get like, ready. I check you, because I was the mayor, right? We all know <laughs> you're the mayor. <laughs> Right. Yeah, they've all got good reasons why they need the stuff that they're asking for. And then they also, like, try to bribe Skiki. And I like how my character offers, like, 30 florins. And by the end of it, by the end of the bribing scene, someone's offered, like, a thousand or something. Mm -hmm. So my character's pretty cheap, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Or she's like, I could buy you for this much money. Right, right. (laughs) She also was like, you're a poor simpleton, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. She's just underestimating him. Yeah. So then the second scam is when the notary comes and everybody's waiting with bated breath because they've decided, you know, 
he, he said what little things he's going to leave to everybody. And we say, okay, thank you, Bozo. Thank you, cousin. And then we've said, we'll leave the rest of it up to, to Skiki. That's the house, the mule, and the mills at Senia. Well, then Skiki, as Bozo, is, leaves all that good stuff to himself in the will. Yeah. And, and why, Jesse, do you remember why... What stops play, us? Play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We can't, if we reveal that it's not uh, actually Bozo, we'll all be kicked out of Forense. Right. And it, it's illegal to the point of being removed from the land. And even getting your hand chopped off. Oh, apparently. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hand chopping. I forgot, forgot that small detail, that hand chopping detail. <laughs> So there's this little theme that Skiki sings to us that's basically goodbye, Florence, um, you know, saying about how beautiful it is, and then I'll wave to you with my stump of a hand. That <laughs> and it's not very sensitive, Johnny Skiki. I know. It's, it's a little not nice, but it's also <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> so anyway, that's what happens. And then the will is written. It's you know, whatever, like, confirmed by a notary and even two witnesses, and there's nothing the family can do because if they admit, okay, this is actually Johnny Skiki, they're in just as much trouble as he is, so they really can't do anything. And then they just kind of, like, plunder the house and try to take what's left, and then they leave. And they call him a traitorous, traitorous uh, barbarian and leave. (laughs) And then it's... Sorry, what were you going to say? Barbaro. Yeah, Barbaro. Yeah. And Furfante. <laughs> and um, at the very end, he kind of ha- he breaks us. Uh, Kiki is the only one left on stage usually. And he breaks the fourth wall by um, saying to the audience, like, you know, um, like, kind of like, can you, can't you guys sympathize with me? And tell Dante, basically, I don't, you don't think I belong in hell. I mean, what would I to do? My daughter said, b boss man. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And um, I really like the end of Mary's article because she said, it's sort of like you were talking about law and order before. She actually ends this with, the whereabouts of Bozo Donati's body are still unknown. Doom, doom. <laughs> yep. We love a little dun-dun. <laughs> so, um... If for anybody listening, if you're if you're still curious about the story of Jenny Skiki, you should go on our artist journal on our website. Um, I'll leave it. I'll leave a link in the show notes, and you can uh, read Mary's article. It's really good and it's funny too. Um, and we hope that you'll come see our double bill in April. So now let's play just a couple games because we always do some fun opera games on the podcast. <laughs> So this first game, we, t- we talked about this before, so I'll just explain it briefly for the audience. This first game is sort of like Password, if anybody knows that um, old TV show. I'll give uh, one-word clues until Jesse guesses the opera that I'm talking about. Um, the, the rules are I can't use any words that are in the title of the opera, 
I can't use any of the characters' names, and I have to wait until the fourth clue, if it takes that long, to give away the composer's name. So I'm going to do a couple, and then Jesse's going to do one. So here we go. Here's the number one. First clue is hairdresser. Barbara Seville. That's right. You got it. Uh, <laughs> okay. Here's number two. First clue is bowl. Bowl. Like B U L L. Bowl. Yeah. Oh. Carmen. Oh, that's right. You got it. <laughs> I didn't even have to use any of my clues. <laughs> do you want to do one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. First clue is. Blood. Electra? Yes! <laughs> oh, maybe it's too easy. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You want to do an obscure one? I could do a really okay. obscure one. Okay. Okay. First clue is lesbian. Patience and Sarah? Nope. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I need a second clue. Okay. Second clue is, uh, well, this is more than one word, but it, it has to be. Okay. Love quadrangle. Love quadrangle. Hmm. Hmm. Quadrangle. Okay, I need another clue. Okay. Third clue. Um, sex work. Oh, um, Lulu. Yep. <laughs> Boom. I should have known after Quadrangle. That was a good, that was a good one. <laughs> okay, I have one more for you. Okay. First clue is candy. Hansel and Gretel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then after I gave that clue, I was kind of thinking about this other opera that I saw. I actually haven't heard any of it, but I'm friends with the composer on Facebook. It's called Sweets by Kate. Have you heard of that opera? No. I saw, I, I, I want to hear some of the music. It's by the composer Griffin Candy. And um, it's... Apt name for that. I know. <laughs> but it's um, I'm so I'm pretty sure it's about um a, a person named Kate, and then she owns like a sweets shop. And I saw the pictures on his Facebook, and the production is so gorgeous. Like it was like these some like giant cupcakes on there, and like this really cool like curved countertop. It was really neat. Sounds like my dream show. <laughs> I know. Me too. Everything's like fun and fluffy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And colorful, I like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, okay, that was, that was pretty fun. I'll have to work on tweaking that game a little bit. Um, let's do one more game. This one is two truths and a lie. So I'm going to read you three facts, in quotation marks, and you tell me which one is the lie. Okay. So here is number one. 
Benjamin Britten was deeply obsessed with revolutionary movements, especially the writings of Rosa Luxemburg, a communist. Playing it about ourselves? Whoops, I misunderstood the assignment. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to tell me two truths and a lie about you. (laughs) Like Benjamin Britten? Oh, okay, this is still about opera. Whoops. (laughs) Okay, I didn't, I did not, to be fair, I did not explain that. (laughs) Right. Okay, so anyway, he's, he, uh, Britain was deeply obsessed with revolutionary movements, especially the writings of Rosa Luxemburg, a communist thinker that severely critiqued the Bolsheviks. Britain, in fact, attempted to set her entire writings to music to be sung by soprano and string quartet, with each string instrument playing Marx, Lenin, Trotsky, and the spirit of anarchism. Okay. Okay. B is, or the second, whatever I said, second clue fact is, during Wagner's lifetime, there was a widespread misconception that Wagner himself did not like applause at his operas. Frustrated by the lack of applause, Wagner himself cried, bravo, at the end of the second act of one of his operas, only to be hissed by other audience members. (laughs) I'm sure that's the truth. (laughs) I feel that in my bones. (laughs) And then the last one is in an oratorio, Ciro in Babylonia, Rossini told his friend, I had a horrible secunda donna. She was not only impossibly ugly, but her voice too was beneath contempt. After the most careful investigation, I found that she had one single note, the B flat above middle C, which did not sound bad. I therefore wrote her in an, an aria in which she had no other note than this to sing with everything in the orchestra. And when this pleased the audience and was applauded, my one note singer was extremely happy with her triumph. Um, I'm going to say, is C the lie? No, it's actually A. I could, you know what I was like, it's either A or C. And I don't know Britain's political. <laughs> leanings enough to know if it's a <laughs> yeah like I cannot I want to hear this aria now first of all Rossini sounds like kind of a jerk <laughs> I kind of love that though except for that like she was not pretty like fuck you Rossini yeah. Did you that's what I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> but also it's kind of a funny note to have be a good note a B flat above middle C yeah that's kind of a weird note like, I, I don't know. know. It depends on your voice, right? Like, that's sure. not my favorite note, but my favorite notes are, like, E and F. Like, right at the top of the staff, and that's most people's not favorite notes. So, that's I'm that's true. I think F all day. Every <laughs> day. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I, sh- I want to give credit where credit is due. Um. The Lie is actually written by Daniel Johansson. Uh, sorry, I said his name wrong. Daniel Johansson of Scappy, Scappy Magazine. And um, see, the quote was from um, this book by Ferdinand Hiller. That's Rossini's friend. Um, it's called Plaudereinen mit Rossini. And it was written in 1855. So basically ah. conversations with Rossini. <laughs> I'd watch that. well jesse thank you so much for being on the new moon opera podcast i can't wait for people to hear your portrayal of gerarda in 
Um, come on down to Johnny Skiki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll drop the link to tickets in the show notes. We're doing Il Campanello and Johnny Skiki, um, April fifth through 7th at Ebenezer Lutheran Church in Chicago. Our directors are Jennifer Cox and Eric Douglas Carlson. And we're going to have a really great show, so I hope everybody will come out to see it. Um, Everybody who's listening, make sure that you like New Moon Opera on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at New Moon Opera. And uh, sign up for our email list. You can email me at newmoonopera.org or you can sign up on our website. Oh, sorry. Our website is newmoonopera.org. You can email me at newmoonopera at gmail.com. And also feel free to email me if you guys have any questions about um, our upcoming operas or if you want um, us to talk about anything specific on the podcast. So hope everybody has a great two weeks. We'll see you back again in two more weeks for another episode of the podcast. Uh, Bye, Jesse. Bye.